You know, we, we get the news feed on our phones and 90% of what we see is negative. Stock market's in the tank, coronavirus, we're all gonna die. You know, this guy you know, killed his classmates and on and on. And those are serious things. I don't mean to minimize it. I will tell you though, you take a step back, there's never been a more amazing time to be alive than the time we're right now. I mean, the experiences we can have, the, the, the travel, the cultures, the, the, the food, the, you know, LinkedIn, the way you've got friends all over the world. But you know, I mean, 15 years ago was un unthinkable. 20 years ago, 50 years ago, it was sorcery. You know, they, if they knew you were doing, they'd burn you at the stake, right? And 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 so to focus on that, we love the timing of this book because, again, never have we been more connected. Never have we been more alone. You know, the online bullying, the, the discourse on in the political spectrum, whatever your belief is, is is become so toxic and so so you know just mean that it, we need to take a step back and say, listen, everybody. Let's be grateful, you know, and particularly where, where you and I live, we've got clean water, that we've got food is plentiful. I mean, you live in just a gorgeous part of the world. You know, you head up into the mountains and you get, you gotta be kidding me. Who's luckier than us? Let's be grateful and let's be kind and let's pass that along. You know, I was 12 or 14 years old at the time and he comes back and I said, you know, dad, um, you probably shouldn't touch those people. You know, they're not clean. And he pulled me aside and he said, you know what, Chester, you be good to everybody. Everybody's having a tough day. Everybody, you know, whether you're driving a Bentley or you're living in the park, everybody's got something. You be sure to be kind. And you know what? You think about it, you know, Roger, when when you encounter people, if if you assume that somebody's that who has ever come in, that they've got something going on in their lives, I guarantee you, nine times out of ten, you're right. They, they've got trouble with a, a kid at home or, or something at work or you know they've got bad news about a, a friend or a relative and we've all got stuff going on so you know what let's 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 you know we're all like we're all in this together right This is American Real. I am Roger Brooks. My guest today is Chester Elton. You help leaders create high-performing, all-in cultures. You are the number four in the Global Gurus list of leadership and number two in organizational culture. You're a five-time New York Times bestselling author with over 1.5 million copies sold, and it's printed in 30 languages. In addition, you are an executive coach, and sought after, a highly sought after keynote speaker, Chester, welcome to the show. Delighted to be here with you. Thank you for the invitation, Roger. Oh, I really appreciate it. And I, I uh, just recently came upon you uh, through a colleague on LinkedIn, and I just see this amazing man who's done some amazing things. And it just goes to show you, as deeply connected as we are in business, there's still people out there like yourself, who are highly, highly successful. You have 12 books with your co-author that we'll talk about. You're an amazing keynote speaker. And I just learned about you. So I'm, I'm actually, I'm, I'm embarrassed in one way, but I'm honored and privileged in the next. And I can't wait to share your story with our audience. 
Well, thanks. You know, it's like the old saying, you know, as, as famous as you think you are, as accomplished as you think you are, there's, there's 1.3 billion Chinese that still have no clue. <laughs> That's right. That's right. And look, at look your background. I think you're uh, maybe somewhere in New Jersey. Uh, I see some New Jersey Devils uh, jerseys back there. Can you tell us where you are? Yeah, I'm at the Prudential Center, The Rock. I'm a huge uh, New Jersey Devils hockey fan. In fact, I've got my, my, my cap. I'm ready for the game tonight. We've got great friends that are the president and CEO of the team, and they're gracious with their tickets. And I grew up in Canada, so we were joking earlier. Going to a hockey game for me is kind of like going to church. It's a religious experience. <laughs> it is. And as I mentioned, I live in Binghamton, New York, and we are the AHL uh, franchise for New Jersey. So that's, yeah. there's a deep connection there. And, and we are the also... Theater system. We, yeah, we love you guys in Binghamton. <laughs> Appreciate it. And we'll, we'll be sure to let all of our friends know the connection here today. So, uh, Chester, let's get into your story. Can you, can, before we start, can, we, can you talk a little bit about LinkedIn, uh, when you got started, and how you built this tremendous following of over 625,000 people that follow you on LinkedIn? You know, that's such a great question, Roger, because, you know, so much of what happens in our life is sort of serendipitous, you know. Uh, when LinkedIn first started up, you know, and they obviously their offices in California, they have offices in the Empire State Building, you know, which is a, a short, you know, New, Jer New Jersey train ride for me from Summit into the city. And a guy that was uh, in my church was working at LinkedIn and we'd, we'd become friends. And he says, you know, we're starting this influencer program. And you should be one. I mean, you're perfect for this. And, you know, they were sort of, you know, recruiting people and, and there weren't very many. I said, well, look, sounds like fun to me. Let's do it. He goes, I'll get you in. So he introduced me to some people and they'd looked at our books and they said, yeah, yeah, you'd be great. Well, then shortly after that, I mean, literally like four or five months later, they kind of shut it down. They, they, they really restricted the number. And being early on on the influencers, I have a wonderful uh, editor. His name's Chip Cutter, who, who, who just left and went to the, uh, to the Wall Street Journal. In fact, he's coming to the game with me tonight, which is awesome. Wow. And, he, and he was a great mentor. He helped us write and post and when we should post. And, and it, really, it really built our followership very quickly. You know, we went from, you know, 10 or 20,000 to, like you say, well over 600,000 followers now. And, and it's connected us with some amazing people and relationships, you know. These platforms, and I think LinkedIn in, in particular, because it's where people want to become better leaders. They want to become better business people. It's, it's a very serious platform. And I've developed friendships and, and relationships with people literally all around the world. So LinkedIn has been a tremendous boon to not only our work and, and our, our coaching and, and what we do, just personal relationships. So, and that's what connected us. It is, yes, it's amazing. And at this platform, and I, I talk to so many people every day from LinkedIn. I've made some incredible friends just like you have. Uh, but I still feel, and I'd love to get your opinion on this, I still feel it's in its infancy. I don't think 99% of the people really understand the power of it. Do you agree? I, I would agree. You know, I, I speak, um, I'm a guest lecturer at universities all the time. And one of the first things I ask him is, so, so what does your LinkedIn profile look like? So, oh, we got lots of followers on, on Facebook. I go, yeah, that's great. And you should, and that's fun. LinkedIn is where you're going to have relationships. LinkedIn is where you're going to really, you know, develop those uh, resumes and those relationships that are going to help you. You know, I, I, I speak at Cornell. I speak at, uh, at, at Fordham University and on and on. And it's just such an integral part of building your career and building your network. 
it is about followership. It is about your network. And I agree with you. There's nothing better than LinkedIn. Have you ever had them do that, that chart for you where your connections are? It's this really cool. Oh, you should, you should, no. you should call them. Yeah, I've, I've done it. Uh, I do it about every uh, three or four years and you see your network and they give you this visual. It's, it's beautiful. It's a, it's a really a work of art. And you'll see these centers like, a company that you worked at and there's a big center there and, and, the, and it's, it's wonderful to look at, at how it grows and morphs. Wow. Uh, and that's, really a, cool. that's a service they would provide to anyone if you request it. Uh, you know, um, I've lived in Jersey for a long time now, so I'm going to use a Jersey expression. Um, you might need to know a guy who knows a guy. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. We'll look into it. And, I, and I'm glad you mentioned that for our mm. listeners benefit as well. So, and, I appreciate you talking about uh, some of your talks at the colleges and universities. That's something I'm also very passionate about, um, empowering young people in college and as they come out of college. We actually have a book writing course right now where we give some scholarships to, I want to help college kids write their first book so they could come out with a distinct advantage because it's very competitive. And, um, you know, one of the things I found with working with young people, and I'd love to get your thoughts on this is that they have so much to offer from a standpoint of knowledge base that my generation, I just turned 50 last year, I don't have that, right? They're very quick. Um, And there's this this amazing synergy that's taking place between that young generation, Gen Z, and and our team. And, but without it, I don't think that we would be the organization that we are. Are you finding that? Do you work that closely with, with young folks? And are you feeling the same? You know, I, I agree with you 100%. The generational differences is something we've actually done a deep dive on. We created our own uh, assessment. It's called the Motivators Assessment. We've had over 70,000 people take it now. And the vast, you know, a big chunk of that are millennials. And now, you know, uh, Gen Z, or if you're Canadian, it's Gen Z, which, by the way, just sounds <laughs> cooler if you ask me. But, it does, Z. Yeah. And, and, and these generational differences, like you say, the connectivity, the, the technical skills, the, the ability to be connected in so many different places and so many different platforms, it really is incredible. Having said that, one of the reasons we wrote our latest book, Leading with Gratitude, is, and, and, and a good friend of mine who really delves into the digital world, he said, you know, never have we been more connected, and yet never have we been more alone. This idea that I've got all these followers, and yet loneliness and and depression and whatnot are on the rise. So this idea of uh, when we looked at all this data, and by the way, we have uh, a database of a million engagement surveys plus our own motivators assessment, this idea of connecting to people on an emotional level, you know, being able to express gratitude for people that work with and for you. And and not only that, the, the great thing about this book, Roger, was how it, the leaders that we, interviewed not only did they lead with gratitude they they expressed it deeply in their personal lives they had great personal connections which brings me to my favorite data point of all time and that is if you're happy and engaged and motivated at work you're 150 percent more likely to be happy and engaged in your personal life this blending of work and life is almost complete at this point right nobody works nine to five as is evidenced by when we're doing this, right? it's, it's clearly it's a Friday. Friday. Yeah, yeah. And, 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 and finding that work-life harmony and finding those, that, that harmony in those relationships, we really discovered that at the core of all of that is gratitude. 
how you express it, how you receive it, and, and how you make it central to pretty much everything you do in your life. Fascinating, isn't it? It is. And for me, and uh, you know, I'd like to sometimes use examples where it took me a long time. I knew what gratitude meant. I've heard it my whole life, but I didn't. You know what I mean? Like it, it took me a while to really grasp what that meant. Like just over the last, I would say, five to seven years is where I began to appreciate gratitude and practice gratitude and, and, but really believe it in my heart. And since that time, that's when I've seen things open. And the sooner I think you could figure that out in life, right, the better. You know, we, we tell a great story about Dave Kirpin. He's, he's become a good friend of mine. He runs a marketing company called Likeable in New York. And he said, you know, I was just, I was this hard charging entrepreneur and getting stuff done. And he says, and I'd be part of these groups, you know, these young professional groups and YPO and so on. And he says, and I'd bump into these guys that were really successful and they keep talking to me about, you know, value your people and be grateful and so on. And I'm like, that's ah, the soft stuff. He says, and yet they kept being like more and more successful. <laughs> so I had, to, I had to take a look at it and had very much the awakening you did. He said, as soon as I started to put gratitude at the center of what I was doing, it opened doors, it deepened relationships. I felt better about the work I was doing. I felt better about my relationships personally and professionally, and my business grew. It is so interesting that often, you know, as we talk about this, they'll say, oh, you know, gratitude, that's a soft skill. It's not a must to have, it's a nice have. And then, you know, you come very quickly to the realization that the soft stuff is the hard stuff, wow. right? Because you're dealing yes. with people. And the better you get at the soft stuff, the easier the hard stuff gets. In fact, listen to this. So as we took a deep dive on leadership and our databases, and, and we, we love you know, delving into the research, the difference between good leaders and extraordinary leaders, it was never their hard skills. It was always their soft skills. And number one in those soft skills was how they expressed gratitude. Number one. Wow. Phenomenal. That's, that is phenomenal. And look, again, I'm, I'm glad we're talking about it. We're, we're bringing light to it because of its importance <clears throat> in everything that we do, in everything that we do. Yeah. Okay, so can we talk a little bit about your business, uh, The Culture Works? You've, you've alluded to some of it, you know, through, through that last discussion. Um, but what does it mean to, you know, uh, provide insights into um, motivating today's multi-generational workforce. What does that actually mean? Well, it's interesting. At the Culture Works, and, and the name speaks for itself, uh, you know, when your culture works, everything works, right? <laughs> so get the culture right. Is, is we, we really based three uh, trainings on the research and the books that we've published. So our book, All In, is all about culture. And so we've got some wonderful training around that. We self-published a book called What Motivates Me that includes that motivators assessment. And that's all around engagement. How do you build strong teams, right? And, and you know, great team leaders, great leaders understand their players. And part of understanding your players is understanding those generational differences. As, as you well know, never before has it happened where you've got five generations working in the workforce. Right. And, and that, that, that is both delightful and helpful and troublesome all at the same time because you've got a couple of traditionalists left. You've got baby boomers, Gen X, Gen Y, you know, millennials, uh, Gen Z, Gen Z coming in. And, and knowing how to engage and motivate those individuals and bring them together as a cohesive team, you know, working on that employee engagement really is a critical part of, of leadership and 
success in any business. And then with our new book, Leading with Gratitude, the glue that holds it all together is relationships and, and how you express gratitude, how you reinforce those good behaviors, how you really appreciate the sacrifices people make every day to show up and be a part of your organization. So we really feel like those three spheres are interact together, you know, from leadership to engagement, or I'm sorry, from culture to engagement to leadership. And the nexus of those three is really high engagement. And, and by the way, happiness and joy at work that translates to happiness and joy in your personal life. Yes. It kind of makes sense, doesn't it? Absolutely. hundred percent. So when you're going into different businesses, are you seeing very common symptoms, very common, you know, threads from all kinds of businesses that you're able to institute various tools that, that you've developed to help them? Absolutely. You know, uh, we talk a lot about the gratitude gap. <laughs> and this, again, back to our data, we, we interviewed leaders and said, do you think you're above average in giving appreciation expressions of gratitude? Almost 70% said, oh, yeah, above average. Absolutely. Then we interviewed their employees and only 23% agreed. <laughs> so there's, there's a pretty big gap there. And, and you talk about common mistakes that they, they make. We talk about the myths as to why people don't build these high engaging, you know, cultures uh, of gratitude. And a lot of it is, is there's still some old school thinking about there that fear is the best motivator, mm-hmm. right? And again, we took a look at the numbers and we said, look, fear can be a motivator short term. And, and we found that over 30, just over 30% said, yeah, I, I work harder and I'm more productive when I feel like my, my, bo- my, my job is on the line or I have a, a, a manager or a leader that's really demanding. Again, it was a little more than, I think it was around 35%. Here's, here's, here's the stunner, though, is that when people said that their, their manager, their leader, valued and appreciated them and expressed gratitude, 83% said they worked hard. So, you know, again, it's just, you know, old school, and then I don't even think it's new school. I think it's old school and then common sense, right? Um, that compensation is the number one motivator. That, you know, you just get the comp plan right, everything takes care of itself. Well, no, that's not what happens, Right. So we, would, we knocked down a lot of those myths, and those are, are two of, of seven that we found were most common. Then it came down to the eight best practices of the best leaders we ever you know, studied. And it was that they were really good about seeing what was going on, right? They walked in their, their, their employees' shoes. They, they, they uh, were really good about assuming positive intent, which was one of my favorites. And then how they expressed that. Again, they knew their players, how to express it in a way that's meaningful, how to celebrate little milestones along the way. And so it really was, uh, you know, Adrian Gostick, my co-author and I, we, we talk about our latest book in that it was, it was a delight to write because of the incredible people we got to meet and study. You know, Hubert Jolie, who turned around Best Buy. Um, Alan Mulally that saved the Ford Motor Company from extinction and on and on how they, they really that was centered to what they did and it wasn't they weren't soft leaders right it was a soft skill that made really demanding leaders have their people buy in and, and excel and then that every one of them practiced it in their personal lives was beyond delightful it, they, they didn't leave their best self at work you know often you'll say oh the guy was a tremendous Success in business, if personal life is a wreck, you know, you know, you know, 14 failed marriages and his kids won't talk to him. You got to admit, though, you know, he was successful in business. And there's there's a saying that I, I love as I do my executive coaching. Say, listen, you know, I love this. And you're going to want to write this down, by the way. Okay. 
that no success in business can compensate for failure in the home. And what was really affirming and delightful about whether it was Gary Ridge, you know, the CEO of WD-40, whose story we tell it's, and I know you have a can, everybody does. And, uh, and, and American Express with Ken Chenault and, and on and on, that these guys all practiced it deeply in their personal lives and were deeply committed to the, the people that meant the most to them, their, their, their families, their extended families, and, and so on. And, and so for us, it was very transformative to write this book and, 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 and a delight, really, to write the book. Wow, it sounds wonderful. I cannot wait to read this book. Uh, I actually interviewed a neurosurgeon, Dr. Sethi, uh, Dr. Khalid Sethi, uh, about two years ago, and he said something so profound, and, and, it, and it's very similar to what you said, but basically he, he said from his culture, he was born and raised in Pakistan, he said, if you could get your core right, your, your immediate family, you know, your, hus- your wife, your husband, uh, your kids, your parents, that immediate core, if, if you could get that, if, first of all, you have to get that right. If you don't have that right, something's going to be off. So do you get down to that level um, of granularity with, with your coaching, uh, et cetera? And I'm curious, like even with the book, do, do some of these leaders talk about the importance of that core? They don't use that expression. And yet, yes. The first I've heard of it, actually. Yeah, they, they, they get to it uh, fairly quickly, actually. You know, we, we start the book off with a great story about Gary Rich, my, one of my favorite CEOs from WD-40. We've actually become good friends, and he's beyond delightful, the most joyful CEO you'll, you'll, you'll meet. You know, he said, I, I, I became CEO, and, and very quickly we went into the recession, you know, 2007, 2008. And he says, as I was visiting our various facilities around the world, people would say, hey, Gary, are you okay? Are you okay? And he goes, yeah, I'm, I'm fine. He says, it kept coming up. So I called my wife and I said, honey, do I give off like a sick vibe? Do, do I look like, in, is there something? She said, Gary, they're not asking if you're okay. They're asking, are we okay? They're getting all this bad news. Their friends are losing their jobs. Companies are going bankrupt. They're asking, are we okay? Like as a company, are we okay? And he goes, yeah. But this is where it's important to marry well, right? Absolutely. And, and he said, and I got it. And so I called everybody together. I said, listen, everybody. We've got great reserves. Nobody's going to lose their job. In fact, we're going to double down on your education and research. Now, we're not going to be hiring a bunch of people because, you know, we're suffering as other, people's, uh, other people are. He said, when we came out of the recession, we were so ready for that, that our sales were up 32%. Incredible. And we never looked back. From, from $280 million when he took over to $2.8 billion, that's, that's pretty good growth. <laughs> wonderful. Know? And what I love about that story is the fact that if you really break it down, his ego wasn't so big that he couldn't ask his wife, like, what's happening? Why are these people? And she helped him figure that out. I mean, that led to something tremendous for that organization. Exactly. You know, and, and it's the thing you love about great leaders, right, is they're, they're curious. They're not afraid to ask for help. They don't have to be the smartest person in the room. In fact, they know that they need to surround themselves with people that are really smart, you know, to, to get the jobs done. And, 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 and just again and again and again, as, as we found these incredible leaders, by the way, in every, every spectrum of company, you can imagine American express, a bank, you know, the Ford motor company, right. The manufacturing WD 40. <laughs> I mean, you know, the, the, you can't get more diverse than that. And to nonprofits, you know, um, Becky Douglas is the woman that we got to interview who, who supports all these different campuses, for uh, people that suffer from the leprosy virus in India. And, you know, she talks about, you talk about 
gratitude being your core, she said, you know, gratitude heals people. And I said, well, that's really an interesting comment. She said, yeah. She says, you know, we, 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 we deal with a lot of just severe situations and, and troubling situations. And she said, you know, people that are really grateful, when they come into tough times, it can heal them. She tells a story about a good friend of hers. No, it was her family where, you know, they have this grandchild that's, that's, that's got cancer. And they're all praying that she'll be healed and cured and so on. And she said, you know, and then the, the, the switch flipped for us. As, as my, my son, you know, said, look, let's be grateful for the time that we have with her. Wow. Let's be grateful for, for what we have as a family. And you know what? If she doesn't recover, that's okay. That's okay. And she said, you know, as, as we prayed together as a family and we came to that realization, it was like this burden was just lifted from our shoulders when we, were, when we went from this stress and anxiety to this spirit of, of, of gratitude. And, and it was wonderful to hear that story. It is wonderful. That, that healed her family. And she said, in fact, our granddaughter did pass. And at the funeral, it was joyful. It was joyful. Wow, that's profound. It's really profound because that is, I think, it, it can't get any more serious than that, right? In life, there's nothing more serious than that. And, and you know, I, I think you're spot on. You know, we, we get the news feed on our phones and 90% of what we see is negative. Stock market's in the tank. Coronavirus, we're all going to die. You know, this guy, you know, killed his classmates and, and on and on. And those are serious things. I don't mean to minimize it. I will tell you, though, you take a step back, there's never been a more amazing time to be alive than the time we're right now. I mean, the experiences we can have, the, the, the travel, the cultures, the, the, the food, the, you know, LinkedIn, the way you've got friends all over the world. But, you know, I mean, 15 years ago was un, unthinkable. 20 years ago, 50 years ago, it was sorcery. You know, if they knew you were doing, they'd burn you at the stake, right? And, and, and so to focus on that, we love the timing of this book because... Again, never have we been more connected. Never have we been more alone. You know, the online bullying, the, the discourse on, in the political spectrum, whatever your belief is, is, has become so toxic and so, so you know, just mean that it, we need to take a step back and say, listen, everybody, let's be grateful. You know, and particularly where, where you and I live, yes. we've got clean water, that we've got food is plentiful. I mean, you live in just a gorgeous part of the world you know you head up into the mountains and you get you got to be kidding me right. who's luckier than us let's be grateful and let's be kind and let's pass that along you know becky douglas getting involved i mean she lives here in the states that she gets involved with these these uh, th these people that are suffering from from this you know the leprosy virus and and and, and they're gonna, come on let's let's let let's lighten up a little bit let's be grateful let's be kind let's, let's help each other out here and you know what not only is it a better way to live, and which is obvious, right? It's a better way to lead. And you create better companies, more productive companies that attract great talent, that, that, that retain great talent and can do marvelous things. So why don't we do it? Well, because we've got all these old things that says, well, we got to put the fear of God in everybody. And it's all about, you know, a 3% raise when it couldn't be further from the truth. And so that's why we, we love the book. You're not supposed to have a favorite book like you're not supposed to have a favorite child, and yet we do. <laughs> and it's this one. This is my favorite book, and my kids know it. Uh, we do have a favorite child. I won't mention his name because 
It's carrots. <laughs> That's wonderful. So speaking of that book, and we're, we will we will promote it all over our platforms and, and put the links in there and everything else. Um, what? Tell us about the process, if you don't mind. As I mentioned, we help um, college kids and others all around the world. We're helping them write their first book. There's something about that. I just have something in me that after I wrote my first book, the joy of accomplishment, of, I didn't care yeah. if I, one book was sold. I want others to, to have that same feeling. But can you walk us through your process a little bit? Because you do have a co-author. And yes. um, you have and, and highly, is, highly successful books. Yeah. Well, and Adrian is the writer. Make no mistake about it. You know, we're, we're a great collaborative team. Whenever you have a, a book where you see multiple authors, trust me, there's one person that writes because you need one voice on the book, right? So collaborations are great. Find, first off, you want to write a great book, find a great writer, whether that's you or someone to collaborate with. And by the way, we've got a wonderful book site called leadingwithgratitudebook.com that has a lot of the fun videos and interviews and stuff we did. Um, we are very, very focused on three things, making sure that we have the right data, that we have compelling stories, and that we give people tools to then do that. Now, we're talking very specifically about business books, right? So here's, the, here's what the data tells us. Here are the stories of people that have applied that data, and then here are the tools that they use that you can use, okay. right, to, to carry things forward. We also, early on, we, we were very lucky to have, surround ourselves with other good writers and to hire a good editor. Having a good editor makes all the difference because you will write a book and you'll say, that ah, is pretty great. I mean, you know, I'm a good writer. <laughs> and I'll tell you what happened to us early in our career is we had a very small publisher and we wrote books and we had a fair amount of success and we kind of got carried away with ourselves. And then we got a serious publisher with a serious editor, Emily Luce. We love Emily. And we were writing The Care of Principle, by far our, our, our best-selling book. And we submitted the manuscript, feeling pretty good about ourselves. We already had a couple of New York Times bestsellers. Pretty cool cats, right? And uh, she ripped the snot out of that thing. And we got online, and, 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 uh, and she could tell. This was before Zoom, right? It was just on the phone. She goes, I can tell that... Um, you're a little hesitant. I, I, have I offended you? And we said, well, Emily, you know, you know, maybe, maybe you don't know who we are. <laughs> and she said, listen, guys, I do this for a living. The suggestions I've made, think about it, play with it. And, and I will tell you, if you will follow my advice, you will write a better book. So I said, well, okay. So we did. And we hung up and we started to talk about it. Adrian went and did his thing. And he calls me back the next day. He goes, Man, she is so right. <laughs> wow. So, you know, be humble, right? Yeah. Ask for advice, get good editors. And I will tell you, with Leading with Gratitude, we, we employed Emily again. Wow. And Hollis is, is this legendary, you know, Hollis just goes by Hollis. It's like Sting Madonna. It's just, it, <laughs> you know, she's First a, name only. <laughs> yeah, Harper Business, she's legendary. You know, Harvard School of Business and so on. And we employed Emily because Hollis said, you know, if we win the bid for your book, which they did, I will personally edit this book. We said, oh boy, this is pressure. Because like Hollis, you know, it's like getting, getting you, know, you know, produced by Sting, right? So we wrote it. We, Emily crafted it and put it, and we, we sent it to her on Friday. She read it over the weekend, and we got the most amazing email ever in our careers. 
Hollis said, I love this book. I love this book. She said, and yet you've made my job as an editor virtually impossible because what I'm going to write, I've never written in 30 years of editing business books. I wouldn't change a word. Let's go to production. And Adrian and I are like, wow, that's <laughs> incredible. But what's great about that. Find yourself with good people. Be passionate about your subject. Yes. Write a good book. And the way you write a good book is if it's database, get good data. Get good stories. Numbers give you credibility. Stories are what people remember. And then get a good editor and, and take their advice. Because the more eyes you get on your work and the more good advice you get, the better the product's going to be. The, more ha the happier you will be with the product and the more people that will buy your book. That's wonderful. And I'm going to share this with our writing group as well because it's, it's wonderful advice. Happy to zoom in. I'd be happy to take Oh, that would be, they would love that. We should <laughs> do actually, that. We, the guy you should zoom in is Adrian. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we'll do both, have both of you come in. Yeah. Uh, that's great. Um, I, I didn't plan to talk about this, but I, I, I could just tell from your voice, it seems that, and I, I, I feel this way, so I'm just wondering if you feel this way. Do you feel that every moment is precious? You know, I try really hard to be in that moment. Um, there are days when, you know, everybody has a bad day. You know, there's a great gratitude practice that I'd encourage, you know, uh, our listeners and viewers to think about. And it's a gratitude journal. Just at the end of the day, write down three things. Uh, I, I do it first thing in the morning. Three, three, three to five things that you're grateful for. And what that does for you, you know, Roger, is it does make your days more precious. My wife and I have a great routine. No matter where I am in the world, we, we try to connect. And I say, hey, honey, what are your three? You know, what are your three? And, and you know what? It's never, it's, well, I won't say never. It's rarely something huge. It's like, talked with the grandkids today. You know what? The New Jersey transit trains ran on time. That, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> That's a big one. <laughs> doesn't often happen, right? I connected with an old friend, had a great meal, you know, grateful that we were able to connect. We could end our day together. And it's just such a lovely way to, to your point, realize that we're still the luckiest people on the planet. We've got so much to be grateful for. Let's not waste our time. Let's, let's be helpful. Let's be encouraging. You know, I love, I have a goal to, 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 to perform a simple random act of kindness every day. It's a kind word. It's, it's a dollar to a guy who's begging for his next meal. It's, it's you know, we, we have uh, with these fuzzy carrots that we give away when we speak. I mean, and I, I always carry a couple in my bag. And so for the, the people that helped me set up this office, I said, you know, when people do something great, we give them, we give them a, I, I that. Yeah, and, and every time they, they smile and they get excited and, and it's just, it's just fun. Those simple things that make those moments precious. Yeah. And I can tell you, you believe the same thing. We don't always feel that way. I think the goal is to try to feel that way as often as you can. Absolutely. And I, I, I mentioned off camera that I had an interview earlier today with Shanae Monet, who's a wonderful human. And one of the things we were talking about is that famous quote is, you know, it, people don't remember, they don't always remember what you say, but they remember how you made them feel. Exactly. Right? And, yeah. I, and I love your idea of the carrot because I could just envision the person that you gave that to, they're probably going to keep that on their desk or maybe give it to their kid or something. But that, that's a nice little memento that means something. You know, Marshall Goldsmith has been a great mentor for us. He's a big executive coach, and he invited me to be, a, and Adrian, to be a part of his, his coaches, pay it forward. 
and he talks about triggers. And the little carrot is a trigger. And so I just happen to have one with oh. me. Here. So, oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> there's a carrot. And, you know, I, I, I give them the flight attendants to go above and beyond, you know. Uh, and, uh, and you're right. They, uh, you know, people say, hey, you know, we've got a newborn and it's in the crib or, or my cat, it's a, her favorite toy or, you know, whatever. It's just that little moment of joy that you just spread around. And you know what? It's, it costs you nothing. Yeah. It costs you nothing. Hold the door for someone. Give them a kind word. Assume positive intent. Assume everybody's trying to do a good job and in trying to do a good job, they make a mistake and that's fine. Let's learn from it. Let's move on. Let's not demonize people. Let's not victimize ourselves. Let's just say, you know what? And, 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 and I love this. And Marshall points this out. He wrote the forward to our book and it's beautiful. He said, you know, no matter who we are, whether we're rich, we're poor, we're a parking attendant or a captain of industry, we all have one thing in common. And it's this. We all just want to be happy. Wow. We all want a happy life. Right. And you know what? If you want a happy life, put gratitude at the center of what you're doing. I guarantee you, you will be a happier life. You'll have a happier life because it's what your parents taught you when you were a little kid. It's always better to give than to receive. And when you give, you always receive. You know, it's just, it's a better way to live. It's a better way to lead. And, you know, so I guess what I'm saying is make sure you get a copy of the book. <laughs> Absolutely. Buy one for a friend. Buy one as a gift, you know, anniversaries, bar mitzvahs, Christmas, Easter. <laughs> it's an appropriate gift. There's always a celebration. Well, and I joke about it. I will tell you, though, we really do want this book to create a movement of kindness, of goodness, of creating great workplaces. Because when you're happy at work, you're happy in your personal life. And, and don't we owe that to the people that we lead and the companies that we, that we cover? Uh, so well said. And like I said, I want to do my part and we want to do our part to help spread that word for you. So we will definitely continue to do that. Um, I want to be uh, respectful of your time. I know you have a, a big hockey game to go to. Can you give us just a little bit of taste of what it was like growing up um, in, in Canada and just what, what it was like back then and how you, how you got into this wonderful career? Yeah, you know, my, my dad, I'm the youngest of five boys. So you can imagine my poor mother, five boys, you know, Canada with hockey sticks and basketballs and everything else flying around the house. Um, my father, John Dalton Elton, um, went by Dalt. Just remarkable uh, influence on all our lives as, as boys. Um, he had a saying, he said, you know, happiness is a choice. Choose to be happy. And, and, you know, he, he just was a happy guy. And the great thing about my dad is people were around him that wanted to be around him because he made you happy. I'll tell you the funniest story. My brother Byron shared this with me a while ago. You know, in, 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 in our church, it's a lay ministry. Everybody's volunteering. And so for a long time, my dad was sort of the lay youth minister. And there, in every congregation, there's that curmudgeonly old guy or old woman that just no matter what you say, they're going to find the dark lining, right? So she comes up to my dad one, one day after church and says, you know, Brother Elton, you think all the kids in our congregation just love you. Well, I'm here to tell you they don't. And he says, well, thank you. And she says, well, it wasn't a compliment. And he said, too late. Wow. <laughs> you know, and that just shows you his character. Absolutely. Yes. You know, I remember we were, we were walking down the street in Vancouver by Pigeon Park where the homeless people lived. And this homeless lady was coming across the crosswalk and, and her, her paper bag with everything she owned in it spilled on the sidewalk. And, 
you know, it was nothing you and I'd want to own. It was everything she owned. And everybody just kind of, you know, gave her a wide berth, kept moving, except for my dad. I'll never forget. He went up to her right away and he, he gathered up her stuff and he said something made her laugh and he got her safely in the park. And, you know, I was 12 or 14 years old at the time. And he comes back and I said, you know, dad, um, you probably shouldn't touch those people. You know, they're not clean. And he pulled me aside and he said, you know what, Chess, you be good to everybody. Everybody's having a tough day. Wow. Everybody, you know, whether you're driving a Bentley or you're living in the park, everybody's got something. You be sure to be kind. And you know what? You think about it, you know, Roger, when, when you encounter people, if, if you assume that somebody who is ever coming in, that they've got something going on in their lives, I guarantee you nine times out of 10, you're right. They, they've got trouble with a, a kid at home or, or something at work or, you know, they've got bad news about a, a friend or a relative and we've all got stuff going on. So, you know what? Let's, 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 you know, we're all like, we're all in this together, right? Yeah. <laughs> we're all oh, and that always stuck with you. Right? Happy. Let's help each other, you know? Right. And it's, and it's obviously that always stuck with you, that moment. And it's, it's governed so many things about what we do. And, and my brothers, you know, my, my, I, I love to tell the story about my dad. You know, I never saw my parents fight, ever. They were married 65 years. I literally, I'm sure they did. I never saw it. And when my mother would come into the room, my dad would say three, three things. He'd say, look at your mom. Isn't she beautiful? Isn't she talented? Aren't we lucky? Wow. And you know what? When my wife walks in the room, I tell my kids, isn't she beautiful? Isn't she talented? What a great example. Wow. Married for 65 years. I mean, couldn't get any better than that. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. Thank you for sharing that story. You got it. Well, that was the foundation where I grew up and, and governs everything I do. And it's, it's bled into our work and it's been ridiculously gratifying. And when I get to talk to guys like you that are on the same path and want to spread the message, you know, thank you. Thank you. Wow. Chester, I, I, I cannot thank you enough for doing this. Uh, I have one last question. I, I would love to do an in-person interview at some point because the chemistry is even better than, than Zoom, believe it or <laughs> not. Um, but uh, one last question I ask every guest. And at the end of the day, when your work is done here, you still have a lot of work to do. But what do you, what do you want to leave? What do you want your legacy to be? What mark do you want to leave on this earth? <laughs> well, that's a great question. The mark I want to leave on this earth is of four great kids that marry well, that love their kids and make a contribution. And, uh, you know, on, on my, my tombstone, um, I think I want him to say uh, he showed up. You know, he showed up for his kids. He showed up at work and he, and he showed up for his faith. And I, I think, you know, when you show up, good things happen. And so I, I always tell my kids, I said, you know, you know that I'll love you no matter what. So I'll always show up and I'm always cheering for you. If that's my legacy, I'm happy. Wonderful. Chester Elton, welcome to the American Real family. I am honored. I am filled with gratitude and I cannot wait to build a long-term friendship with you. Thank you so much. It'd be my pleasure. You know, I'm a big Devils fan. You got the Devils in Binghamton. We got that synergy. (laughs) Go Devils. Go Devils. Thank you. It's been a delight. Cheers. Thanks for tuning into American Real. Be sure to visit our website, AmericanReal.tv, or search for us on iTunes or YouTube for past episodes. While you're there, please rate us or leave us a review, as that helps others find our show. 
I am truly grateful and appreciate all of your support. If you'd like to be part of our inner circle or want one-on-one coaching, check out the American Real Learning Academy, where we have self-help groups and courses so you can build the best you. We also have a new Facebook group where you can connect with high achievers from around the world. If you want to go even further, maybe you're determined to write your own book or launch your own podcast, contact me today to see if we could help. You can reach me through Instagram or Facebook or email me directly at roger at americanreal.tv. Thanks for tuning in and we'll see you next week.